Welcome, Mistorians. Host Austin Heave She and host Brenda She Her have been waiting for you. Come along for Secret Histories of Nerd Mysteries. Recording now. Shh, shh. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 96 of Secret Histories of Nerd Mysteries. My name is host Brenda. I'm host Austin. We have a quick update on last week's topic, which was the McNugget Buddies. If you have not watched that episode or listened, I guess, because <laughs> this is an audio medium. <laughs> We're not one of those podcasts with a little couch that we sit on. You know, it would be, I won't lie, it'd be cool. It'd be cool if we could have a studio with a little couch that we sat on and there was just like three big, really expensive microphones in the room. That's like, it'll sort it out, you know? Couches cost money. They do. Which is why you should subscribe to Maximum Fun. You should subscribe to Maximum Fun and download our episodes and review us on anything that has a review. Anyway, so like last week, our episode was on the McNugget Buddies and I um, did a big old fuck up Mm -hmm. and messed up Mm -hmm. when the date of the release of the adult Happy Meal was. So now we're in the reality where the adult Happy Meal is out. And I can um, say that response is average. (laughs) (laughs) What do people think? It exists. People have gotten them. It's one of the meals of all time. Yeah. It's like the figures are cool, but it's not like the cactus plant release where everyone was like freaking out Mm -hmm. and like fighting each other over Grimace. Which is what we expected. (laughs) Well, you know, it's like, I just think people yearn for Grimace, you know? They do. And it's, (laughs) I need to think the fates were not, not giving into that yearning more because I cannot exist in a world where Grimace becomes a Tumblr sexy man. No, I don't want to see those cheeks. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> You're picturing it now, aren't you? You're pic- you can see it. <laughs> In my head, I was like, they don't draw Gimmels with a butt, do they? And in my head, no, they do, but they definitely don't. They don't, but they could. (laughs) I'm glad they don't. Thank you, whoever designed Grimace. (laughs) Like, I want to I want to imagine that like the original design for Grimace was just like he had like two very pronounced butt cheeks. And the like the the like the manager came in and was just like, um, it's (laughs) 1960-something. We can't do this. And like the designer's like, oh well, everyone has an ass. (laughs) Okay, hear me out. This thing doesn't. How does it poop? No, no, it, no, 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 it doesn't. <laughs> End of story. <laughs> now that I have brought this energy to the podcast, let's do our new segment. Yeah, sure. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Love it. News. The news is in. I have to go to jury duty. Oh, okay. 
Uh, bye. So Brenda has to get bye. a jury duty. I'm gonna. This is gonna be a solo show. It's gonna be pretty weird. Um, because I was gonna do a lot of stuff interacting with Brenda, but it's fine. I got it. Um, I, I'll do it live. <laughs> the real news is book talk drama. Jesus Christ. Upcoming. <laughs> Upcoming science fiction author and white lady Kate Corrine white lady? was caught making <laughs> making fake Goodreads accounts to review bomb upcoming books by POC authors with racially charged one star reviews. Hey, hey, Brenda, notes writing, Brenda. That was a really long sentence. That was a long sentence. You kept going and going and going and going. I, yeah, I was like, this sentence has to end. And apparently notes taking Brenda was like, no, the intro must be too long. This is okay. The thing that was unhinged about this, the thing that really gets me going for this is like, I truly at the end of the day, don't care if you make a account to like boost your own thing. I assume every, everyone does that, right? Is that not a thing everyone would do? Would you not like? I feel like they have to like boosting your stuff. I guess like I wouldn't do it, but maybe if you feel like you need it, I guess. I I listen. <laughs> I respect the hustle. If you're out there, look, I, look, I I download this show. Like, listen, you do it. Listen, mm-hmm. yeah. whatever. If you're out there, like downloading your own show, asking a friend to leave a rating and saying read it. Like, I truly don't care. Don't care. I guess I can't say for sure how many views on my YouTube videos are me. I mean, mostly that's me making sure that everything <laughs> is working, uploaded correctly. Yeah. yeah, it's like the outro is like timed correctly. Yeah. Like I actually put in my title mm-hmm. card. Yeah, know? I like I I I don't care about that. The her giving herself good ratings is like fully whatever. Why are you in other people's head though, dog? What's up? What's yeah. up? Okay, so. <laughs> So what happened is Shiran J. Zhao, who is the author of Iron Widow, mm-hmm. which is an award-winning science fiction mm-hmm. book, broke the story last week that exposed Kate, and this resulted in Kate's book getting pulled from the publishing schedule. <laughs> <laughs> which is also fucking, wi- fucking wild. Sorry, please, you go ahead. I, I just can't. Yes. This is so deranged to me. The whole saga is deranged. <laughs> Here's how Kate got caught. Kate created nine different accounts. We call these sock puppet accounts because they're like fake accounts. Kate created nine accounts and left bad reviews on her fellow writers, many of whom are people of color, and gave them one stars and said, these books are awful. This book is awful. I don't know why this book got this much money. Funny thing, these books aren't out yet. They all come out in spring of 2024. So... Right away, it's like, okay, so the person leaving these reviews has to be someone within the inner circle who could have gotten an advanced copy of these books or someone who has something to stand to, like, to gain by lying about mm-hmm. these books and leaving bad reviews on these books. So already it's like maybe a little suspicious in one of these authors' directions. Mm-hmm. Now, how they figured out it was Kate, it was because these nine accounts, you know, left bad reviews mm-hmm. on some books mm-hmm. and then left a five-star review on one book in particular which was kate's book which is, again not out <laughs> not out this, yeah, not available to be read no one has seen this no one that would leave a goodreads account has seen this book no and then all of these accounts leaving bad reviews left good reviews for this one book so like who could it be yeah. who, and, <laughs> who did and this, this is something that like all the authors see it and they're like oh it's kate and they all they all go online and they're just like vague about it. they're like hey 
we all see you. We've all been talking about it all day. You should stop. And mm-hmm. instead of stopping, exactly. instead of taking them down, <laughs> instead of being, instead of taking the like the polite, clear public call out where they didn't name you, instead of taking that bait and going, oh, my bad, taking it down and them all going like, what the fuck was it? You know, that's like that becomes like an industry thing in, in the book industry where they all know, but they're like, whatever, you know, like whatever. Instead mm-hmm. of that. Kate's like, yeah, who is, we're all trying to catch this guy. (laughs) (laughs) And trying to make it seem like she has also gotten bad reviews. But when you look at her account, she has not received any bad reviews. Hmm. Not a single, she didn't even, she didn't even go make a new fake account to leave a bad review. She was like, yeah, she did the fucking Garfield meme of like, I wonder who that's for. And so... Eventually, she was like, okay, I've been caught. But instead of just being like, sorry, like I had a lapse in judgment. I know this is really immature. And I'm very sorry for like all the trust I've broken. Mm -hmm. She buckles down and invents a fake person named Lily, (laughs) who allegedly is part of also part of the Raylo fandom, which if you don't know, is Ray Star Wars, and Kylo Ren also from Star Wars, which is like, why are the fact that like, I the f- she's like you know how this person's bad. She made a fake friend. She's like you know who how they're bad. They're a Raylo. Well, no, like Kate was a Raylo. Of course, she's a Raylo. All of these authors are Raylos. Oh no, Austin the what? No, Austin the young the young adult like romance novel like sci-fi market has been completely inundated with Raylos. I'm publishing losing, their fan fiction. I'm losing my <laughs> I'm not fucking kidding. mind. Once you know this is happening, you're going to walk through like the book section at Target and you're going to look at a cover and you're going to see <laughs> fucking Ray Star Wars. You're going to see I'm sorry, it. You're going to go to Ray Target. It's Skywalker. Thank you. No, it's Ray <laughs> Star Wars. That's like one of my favorite, if no one knows this is a reference to, this is one of my mm-hmm. favorite Twitter, like tweets. Mm-hmm. This is a tweet by Jenny Nicholson, who is mm-hmm. a great comedian, great YouTuber. One of my favorites follows me on TikTok for some reason. I'm flattered. I don't know why. But anyway, she just like when the last Star Wars movie, she just like posted like it's mm-hmm. Ray Star Wars. <laughs> and I don't know why that makes me like lose it every time. But anyway, yeah, once you know that like the Raylo fandom, they're all getting published, you will see it everywhere. Jesus Christ. Anyway, everyone's a fucking Raylo, apparently. I missed, I missed, that's yes. my bad. Everyone's now attacking Austin for me, like, yeah, what are those fucking Raylos? And everyone's like, <laughs> get her. Austin, I'm of the same opinion. I, it's like one of my anti shifts. Like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't like, I'm not I'm not here to alienate a listener, I promise. Like, hey, if you're not yeah. Ben Shapiro, you're cool to hang out. I I don't I can't mad, I can't rock but with I'm it. Judging. I don't get it. I'll yeah. never get it. Don't I, Hey, listen. This isn't a call to explain it to us. I don't want to hear it. I I don't. I've heard all of the <laughs> explanations, but when they kiss in that last movie, I think like I felt like I just shriveled up inside and died. The inner the, <laughs> like, it, it was the opposite effect of the Avengers in-game scene where they all show up. Like, you know when the, yes. they all show up in Avengers in-game, right? We're like, we were all there, and the whole your theater mm-hmm. was like electric. It was like, this is some this is this is a movie to be in theaters for, you know? Exactly. Could never... Everyone's like freaking out, cheering for their favorite superhero. And then like when Ray when when Raylo <laughs> Kiss happened, it was like an opposite effect. Like I felt my theater go cold. People groaned. Yeah. Someone left. Someone literally got up and left. <laughs> 
dead silent. So anyway. now that we've established Raylo, so Kate invents this person named Lily and shares all of these DMs between her and quote unquote Lily. And this is kind of where I came into the situation is those DMs were the first things that I saw from this whole thing. So I'm trying to figure out like what the hell's going on because I'm a nosy little bitch. And I'm reading these DMs and I'm like, just like Kate's reaction to these, I was like, immediately just like, people don't talk like this. <laughs> this is suspicious. You know, like mm-hmm. Kate hears that like this person has been like supposed, this fake person has been supposedly review bombing her peers. Mm-hmm. And she's like, never talk to me again. Don't even, you ruined my whole career. When she could have just like, if this was true, she could have just come out and been like, I had a friend who did this. I'm so sorry. There's, yeah. <laughs> but this person is not real. No. Like, why are you showing me your friend's DMs? Just be like, I it was a friend who thought I needed it. I talked to them. They're going to take it all down. I'm so sorry. You know, what, whatever, right? Like, I don't, like, I don't need to see your DMs. If you want to show, like, your publisher yeah. or someone who, like, needs to, be, needs to be like, okay, we need to know that you didn't do this to verify. It's weird. It's all exactly. weird. Listen, and guess what? It's all weird. It doesn't weird. work. <laughs> no it, one believes And it gets her. weirder. We're not done yet. So... All of the Raylos get together and they're all talking. They're like, we don't know who the fuck Lily is. Like, this is it. What? And so they're like, Lily's fake. And so then eventually on December 12th, Kate has to release an apology statement, which is awful (laughs) in many ways. She claimed that the whole incident was because she had started a new medication. Mm -hmm. She said that this led to a full metal, full metal, full metal breakdown. (laughs) (laughs) Full metal breakdown. (laughs) Full mental, full mental breakdown. No one like who's close to her has corroborated. Like, yeah, Kate did have like some mental health issues. Like, it is. No one came up to say that. Oh. You know, like if something had happened to anyone in our friend circle, and like they did something, I think we would immediately be like, "There's a situation right now. This person, we're not going to talk about it, but just know that there is some like validity mm-hmm. to, to this statement." Mm-hmm. You know, Kate also said that she'd been dealing with substance abuse and alcoholism since June of 2022. Mm. And this is really what pissed me off out of this whole situation. She said in her apology that she held the quote, misguided belief that with the right medicine or enough therapy, I could beat it. And it's like, hey, you can. Like, if you have like, (laughs) like, I'm not going to say it's not easy to like overcome those hurdles. Mm. But medicine and therapy is exactly what you need to be doing. Like, you know, and if one medication doesn't work, you need to try another one and you need to have people in your court. This is just me like on my little soapbox. You need to have people in your court who know that you're taking this medication, who can be there in case a situation where you have like a manic episode or a breakdown Mm -hmm. occur so they can be there Mm -hmm. for you. So, for example, I I can never sleep. So I tried taking a new sleep aid Mm -hmm. and I have slept walked in the past. I worked on I went down the stairs and I worked on a rug in my I, sleep. That's but anyway, insane. Yeah, it was. I was like pretty sure that my brother was like fucking with my rug because it was like just like a line that was like very mm. poorly done. So apparently sleep, Brenda, can't d- make rugs well. But anyways, I've sleepwalked in the past. So I like, you know, told my friends, I was like, hey, I'm trying a new sleep medication. Mm-hmm. Um, if you get like weird messages from me, please contact my mom. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's just like that kind of statement, putting that out there and being like therapy and medication can't fix this. It can. That's exactly Mm -hmm. what she should have been doing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's just a really damaging statement. And that pisses me off. Also, I didn't realize that antidepressants make you racist. Yeah. She's like, I'm trying new medication and yada, yada. Listen, everybody, 
I've I've done many things in my life. One of the things in my life I've done is I've been a therapist before. Mm-hmm. I've worked with people in full fugue, manic episodes. Yes, if they weren't already racist, they didn't magically become racist. Like, if it's not already, it doesn't like, there's not a side effect. There's no side effect for your wall breaching that says, also, you might become racist. That's yeah. not how it, that's not how it works. Anyone I've worked with that said some racist shit when they were manic was all, I already knew they were actively racist. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, there was like that situation where Gabby Hanna, YouTuber, mm-hmm. had a breakdown and she was saying racist shit and people were trying to be like, she's having a yeah. breakdown. It's like, no, she was already racist and we all knew that. Same with like the voice actor for Gumball. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't talked about that situation, but he called. Um, dream some choice um, slurs. Not racially charged ones, but he has said racially charged stuff. Yeah. And people try to be like, oh, he's drunk. And I'm like, why is he drunk? He's a, he's First a of minor. All, why is he drunk? <laughs> First of all, Dream, why are you hanging out with a minor? Jesus. So <laughs> anyway, different situation. It was a bizarro time. But right now we are. I was going to say we're taking a bizarro time break, which is not true. It's going to be <laughs> this. It's probably going to be bizarro when you get back. But we do have a short break. Uh, and then we'll be right back to talk about our topic. Last week, The Greatest Generation, the comedy podcast about old Star Trek TV shows like Star Trek The Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, and Voyager, just had its 500th episode. And Greatest Trek, the podcast about the new Star Trek shows like Strange New Worlds, Lower Decks, and Discovery, just had its 250th episode. So whether you have a task that's roughly 750 hours long, or you want to learn about some of the production techniques that go into making one of the greatest franchises in television history, you should give us a try either way. The Greatest Generation and Greatest Trek, the best-reviewed, most-listened-to Star Trek podcasts in the world. They're on Maximum Fun. Topic of the week. And we're back. <laughs> Nailed it. Okay, Austin, yeah. you sent me the the cryptic image of the week. Yeah. <laughs> and I immediately <laughs> sent back a picture. I, I don't know if I have it like completely mm-hmm. zeroed mm-hmm. in, but I know the vague wheelhouse we're in today. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, I sent B- Brenda a bunch of doll heads. The very doll yes. heads you saw on Twitter. If you looked, you maybe you listened to this like and it's three years later. But I, I post the image that I sent Brenda on Twitter and or whatever social media platform is happening in three years. And it's it's a fun little game I play where I'm like, Brenda will never get this. And then Brenda seeds like the one thing I need everyone to know. I I didn't see what Brenda saw <laughs> until the morning after I sent it. I was like, this will get I was like, none of them are in this shot. And I didn't notice that someone was very much in the shot. Yes. So this is an array of doll heads. There's one right in the center. Like right yeah. smack right, dab in the right center. Where, where a normal human looks with their eyes and I do not. And I squinted and I was just like, hmm, that looks awfully similar to Mrs. Claus from Rudolph the Red-Nosed yeah. Reindeer. Which is only something we would do, right? Like, I don't think anyone else sees yeah. Mrs. Claus's head detached from her body and goes, that's Mrs. Claus from specifically 1964's Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. So, in 1962, the first animated Christmas special is ever released in the United States on NBC. That's not that we're talking about. Oh. It is, but that is the first one that was released in 1962 is Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol. That was the first one. That's the first animated Christmas special, and it aired on NBC. Two years later, 
NBC would air another animated Christmas special that would have a lasting impact on pop culture and history for the next 60 years and ongoing. 1964, on December 6, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer aired on NBC. It is based on the song of the same name, which is by Johnny Marks from 1949. Johnny Marks based that song on a poem that his brother-in-law, Robert May, wrote in 1939 of the same name. Mm. The special was sponsored by General Electric. It aired during the General Electric. It's like the General Electric. It's not Power Hour. That's what fucking Disney called there. So it was like General Electric (laughs) Fantasy Hour. Okay, but General Electric Power Hour is like the greatest name for a General Electric yeah, hey, hey, Jim, hey, hey, Jim Electric, that's not free. You will have to sponsor, you will have to do an ad read on the show. You will. That is not so free. contact Maximum yeah, Fun. That's not, I'm letting you know right now, if I hear that shit, I'm on your ass. That's not free. I will not let you rest. <laughs> I will, I'm in your fucking walls, Mr. Jim Electric. <laughs> Funny enough, the red bulb for Rudolph's nose was a General Electric bulb. Oh. It was, it was the first LED bulb ever to produce visible light. Oh, that's cool. So, Sponsored by General Electric during the General Electric Fantasy Hour. Produced by the production company Videocraft International, which we all know today is Rinkin' Bass. Mm-hmm. Today we're talking about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. But a very, very, there's a very specific question I have that I'm going to get to in a, in a mo after I do just some overview on Rudolph in general. If you don't know Rudolph, if you've never interacted with Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, maybe you're listening and not America. I don't know how big Rudolph is outside of the States. Yeah, that's a good question. Hey, Australian viewers. <laughs> Did you grow up watching Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? We have people in Australia, <laughs> in Saudi Arabia, and in like parts of the UK. Do you, do you know who hmm. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is? Is that like a thing? Yeah. Other places? Because I, I please add us. On yeah, Twitter. I truly We're no idea. I truly have no idea. Or tag us on TikTok. We do have a yeah. TikTok. Or you can email us. All all ways to get a hold of us. So the animation style for Rankin Bass films in this because they did. They did standard animation films like Frosty the Snowman, which comes out a little bit later, mm-hmm. is like just cartoon, right? Yeah. But the stop motion style they called Animagic. I love that. <laughs> the Animagic animation style was made out in Mom Studios in Tokyo, Japan, Ooh. and overseen by Tadahito Mochinaga. He told his English cohorts to call him Tad. <laughs> that's cute and also the animagic for rudolph specifically was overseen by anthony rankin jr who was the rankin and rankin bass he flew out to japan to oversee the whole production in japan while jules bass the bass of rankin bass oversaw the production in america so all the voice acting and all the publicity that kind of stuff Mm-hmm. the biggest thing about this is the puppets right the puppets and rudolph are like really and, and all the rankin bass are like really cool yeah. the puppets were created by ichiro komuro the puppets were designed by anthony peters and then the writer for rudolph was romeo Mueller. romeo funny enough mm-hmm. Mueller and peters are s- described as the stanley and jack kirby of rankin bass <laughs> really <Yeah. laughs> Wild. I, it was it was like a very specific thing that i was like that's a very specific thing for me and brenda specifically they're <laughs> some of the only people whose estates still get money from rudolph to this day oh the only actor to get residuals from rudolph was burl ives really yeah, the voice for rudolph and Hermie were canadian i found mm. a little about they were canadian their union just wasn't as strong as sag yeah. they didn't get residuals they got paid a thousand everyone else got paid a thousand bucks over the course of three years and that was it mm. funny enough the voice actor for Hermie and rudolph ended up in the same retirement home 
and they they really? would perform a couple of misfits and then the b-side song fame and fortune which if people don't know there's a b-side song to that scene that they use in some of the airings of rudolph <laughs> A cool thing about the voice actor for Rudolph, I know at least, Rudolph's voice actor would go on to do more work for Nelvana. Mm-hmm. So you could actually hear his voice as one of the Care Bears in like the oh, Care cute. Bears movies. It's, it's really weird because like Rudolph made a lot of money. <laughs> um, but they... Yeah, and they didn't get any of it. They didn't get any of it, but they said they didn't regret it because the important thing is they made people happy and they touched people's lives. So True, which, and which we makes still it, hear their voices today. Which makes it hurt more they didn't get any money. They're like, it's okay. I did, <laughs> I did something that money. brought joy. Someone give them money right now. <laughs> it's like they made minimum wage in 1962 for this. Like, oh my God. Rudolph comes out. It's a hit. When they first get done, like production doesn't finish when the movie comes out, right? No one knows that Rudolph yeah. is going to become like an iconic piece of media that stands the test of time for 60 years. That we'd be yeah. talking about on this very podcast. <laughs> no one thought they needed to preserve the set pieces, especially the puppets. Today we're trying to figure out what happened to the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer puppets. Specifically, where is Rudolph himself? Rudolph Watch. Rudolph Watch. We still don't have a lead on the whereabouts of that that reindeer <laughs> so that's what we're here to piece together today so here's here's what we know at the start the puppets of rudolph and santa alone cost about five thousand dollars to make in 1962 money oh my god i didn't do my usual inflation math for that but i can guarantee you that's well into triple digits oh yeah that's got to be like an insane amount of like five thousand dollars in the 60s jesus and that and again remember this is like quote unquote affordable labor because they had them made in japan so they're doing it's like a there's yeah. a conversion rate happening here but they cost about five thousand dollars to make for ju- just those two that's not all of the puppets because i think it's around a hundred some puppets they made for rudolph because the main cast alone is into the double digits for like rudolph santa blitzen mm. the girl reindeer whose name we can never whose name remember i can never remember they say it like once the abominable snowman like her like you know the main cast alone goes into double digits and then there's like mm-hmm. all the extra elves there's mrs claus they get made in mom studios in japan that's where they're filmed that's where they're used what happens after that is they get done filming anthony rankin jr is like okay i'm going home he's the producer he's up from the company he takes some of the puppets with him mm-hmm. he takes nine of the puppets with him I don't know which nine besides Rudolph and Santa, because I mentioned specifically that it's like Rudolph, Santa and some others. Yeah. I believe one of them had to be like the snow, like Burl Ives, the snowman, because it's a bunch of picture of Burl Ives has with that snowman. So he takes back some of the big ones, it seems, you know, takes them back, flies back to New York, shoves them into storage at the Rankin Bass headquarters in New York City, because it's like. What are they going to do with them? They're just, they're dolls, essentially. That's the interesting thing about, like, stop motion is that you have to, like, physically create so many pieces Mm -hmm. for this. So many backgrounds, so many, like, sets, like, full houses and back. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's wild. So you think that, like, when Laika, who's, like, a modern day stop motion studio, like, when they make a movie, Mm -hmm. like, there's a storage unit with all of Coraline's sweaters. (laughs) Like, I could never in my life have the patience no you have to never like okay go move his arm two inches okay go move it two more inches 
okay, now go, <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> it's like you get done with your work day and you've done like 0.5 seconds yeah, he's, of footage. It's, he's, he, has, it's like that. he has touched his head for the scene. That's it. That's what we did today. That's it. That's a wrap. That was 16 hours of work. <laughs> it's like that episode of Parks and Rec where Ben is unemployed he had to quit his job because he was dating leslie Mm -hmm. so he's unemployed and he's like working on stop motion and he's like super excited to show everyone what he's been working on and it's like half a second of footage (laughs) and he watches it and everyone's like good job ben and ben's like that's it and he's like holding up one of the figures and he's like depressed i'm the furthest thing from depressed i mean look at what i've accomplished do you see him do you think a depressed person could make this no It's wild. It's, it's, I could never in my, and again, this is 19 productions, like 1962 through 1963. Like they, there's not like any sort of computer generation imaging to help, which they'll do sometimes in some stop motion films now to bridge the gap is like, they'll do some computer animated stuff for something that's like too finicky. Or if they're worried about breaking the puppet, they'll like, we'll just, we'll just generate that scene. Yeah. And they use a lot of like 3d printing now mm-hmm. to like make different faces and everything. So you don't have to have like a different head for each different face. Yeah. <laughs> but not, not now. None of, that. None of that now. There's actually stories of like at mom studio in Tokyo of the animators mm-hmm. just sleeping in the studio because the days would be so long. Ooh, good Lord. Now did, this is Mon, like M-O-N? Is that the... Mom, M-O-M. The, it is just Mom. Yep. Okay. I tried to figure um, out, does did... it stand for something? Does it... There's... Yeah. I can't... All I can find about it is it's the studio that Rankin Bass used for their Animagic. That's like it. That is all I can find about this studio. That's wild, because I was like, did they have experience with, like, kaiju films? Because, like, kaiju films use, like, some stop motion mm-hmm. as well, but there's no information. Damn. I don't... I... There, and the story changes on even how, like, Rankin found Mochinaga. Because, like, Mochinaga mm-hmm. had worked on, like, other stop-motion puppetry stuff. But the story yeah. always shifted on what movie it was that Rankin happened to see where he contacted him. It's like, it was, like, I started lo- looking into this. And I was like, what do you mean Rudolph got filmed in Japan? It was like, the, like, first full stop. What do you, <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> Is Rudolph an anime? Please discuss. <laughs> <laughs> all right weebs let's hear it is, is, is rudolph an anime come on hmm? speak up hey artists i need you i need you to draw me an anime rudolph please <laughs> the puppets were purposely designed to be reused <laughs> for other productions so it is the first thing that jumped out at me is like it's already weird that rankin took some home to new york because they're all they're designed to be swapped out you can take off their you, as you saw you can take off their heads you can dress the clothes you can dress the bodies in new clothes they're meant to be like swapped out repeatedly probably not like the abominable snowman and like the reindeer unless they have another reindeer movie but like the people are all meant to be swapped into whatever they need to do for a production yeah people they definitely have like swapped people if you've seen as much rank and bass as i have they definitely reuse even heads sometimes The, the thing is is that there are I believe two more specials that feature Rudolph. The shiny new, shiny year, new year and Christmas in July. That Rudolph puppet looks different. Yes, it's not the it's same not. one. Are we going to get to that? Okay, <laughs> I will. But I know it's not the same one. <laughs> the heads, the, the heads easily come off because there's just like a wire from the stick on, so they can easily rotate heads for scenes as well. Mm-hmm. Like these are like made to be easily swapped out, easily used. 
ease of production and are very delicate because of that. Like they're not built sturdy. They're built like effective. It's not like it's not like Wallace and Gromit where you could throw Wallace across the no. room and he would be squished, but he would be fine. No, they're, they're not working with that. But Rankin brings him home. One day on a whim, he's deciding that they're taking up too much room in the storage. He's just going to toss them out. They're just going to go in the bin. Let's just get rid of them. Just, just throw them this away. This is somewhere between 1964 and 1966. Little Drummer Boy is like being talked about. That comes out in 1968. So I don't know if it's like space for more animagic puppets that he thinks he's going to bring back from Japan. But the story goes is that Rankin's like, I'm going to toss these. They're just in the way. That's wild. His, like... <laughs> his secretary, Barbara Adams, <laughs> sees this and is like, hey, can I take those home? And he's like, sure. I don't care. I was going to throw them away. <laughs> I was going to throw these timeless pieces of Christmas history in the garbage trash. Again, this is this is somewhere like, like Rudolph's been out. We're in 1964, 1966 era. 1965 when they air it again it's the first time the special gets aired with a different audio so like rudolph is out i don't know how big it is in the 60s like it's out it's big enough where they use they use it every year like they use it the next year people like it but again it isn't it isn't that people love it and it isn't that you would think someone would want these like p- kids want toys mm-hmm. these aren't toys these are like things we used on set who cares yeah the 60s is like like baseball collecting's happening as we've talked about but the idea of, like, a collector is still kind of new. Yeah. So they weren't preserving things at this point. No. So you have, like, Charlie Brown Christmas, which is out at this time. Mm-hmm. Like, they didn't preserve any of the cells from that no. or anything. They didn't. It's not something they think about. They're like, why would the? Because it's the, it's the weird thing of, like, why would this be in a museum one day? It's just a cartoon. Yeah. Like, there's no. It's just. This isn't things that. For TV, yeah. nonetheless. Like, not even, like, a theatrical production. It's like, this is, like, for TV. This is our job. Yeah. So it's just like stuff in the way, just toss it. So secretary takes them, the nine that I mentioned earlier, and gives them the way to kids and her family to play with, like they are toys. These are bad toys, ooh, as ooh. I as I already talked these about. Are these, not are, good these, toys. Are these are bad toys. Dangerous. Uh, <laughs> there's a light bulb in that reindeer. <laughs> these are there's a working LED light bulb in that reindeer. The first, <laughs> the only, the first one to be invented that you can see visible light from an LED, which is just <laughs> the first LEDs in that reindeer. Which is just fucking wild to me, right? They yeah. put a working LED light, the first LED working visible light light bulb in a reindeer's nose for a Christmas special. Oh my god, that is so wild. I always wondered, like, how did they do that? Because I know it's not computers because it's 1964. But I'm like, that's a, you know, I just thought, like, it's a light bulb, not an L. Because, of course, because a normal, a normal wire light bulb in 1964, that puppet's on fire. (laughs) That that puppet is catching on fire. (laughs) They're awful toys. Through the saga of Adams having them in the family, Seven of them get so damaged, she just throws them away. We don't know what seven. Oh my god. We'll never know. We'll never know. The last one's love for Rudolph and Santa. They got put in a box of Christmas decorations and forgotten in an attic. Oh my god. <laughs> Until the early 2000s. No, oh, that's They've been ravished by time. <laughs> in the early 2000s, a couple things happen. Rankin, who's still alive, mm-hmm. claims that he has an original adult Rudolph in his possession. Hmm. Does he now? That's what he says. I found nothing else corroborating that besides that. Hey, he, Rankin. He's he's dead. Fucking he's, proof. He's dead now. <laughs> oh, he's, Rankin. All right, one second. Let me get the wait. I gotta get the Ouija board. Okay, <laughs> I'm still letting him know. Okay, 
right, I got my planchette. One second. This is just gonna take me a second. R. Oh wait, wait, wait. Erase. Do over. A. R. Y. O. U. H. I. D. I. N. G. T. H. E. Reindeer. There's a reindeer button on my um, Ouija board that I have okay, here. Okay, good. All right, it's moving. It's moving. Austin, oh my god, we're experiencing like a crazy event. Rankin is here in the room with me right now. It's moving and it's, oh man, Austin, I'm not going to fucking believe god. this. It just landed on a button. It just, I mean, it just landed on a spot on the board that says, Ouija boards are fake. Go to sleep. I love you so much. Rankin claims in the 2000s he has an original adult Rudolph, which is how I learned that the one in the attic must be a young Rudolph, because I didn't even know what yeah. age Rudolph they had. So a nephew of Adam's is going through the attic, as you do for family members who are older or or past. I believe at this point, Adam's has also passed away, mm-hmm. like going through the attic of stuff and finds a Rudolph and a Santa that looked like the puppets from the Christmas special he's been watching his whole life. It's, it's the 2000s now, like everyone knows Rudolph. I can't imagine. This is like so wild. Imagine you're going through like your aunt's stuff after she's like moving to a retirement home or maybe sadly passed away. And you find just like in in, in a like incalculable relic of from history. Yeah. All I find in my basement is like elf telephones I didn't know we owned. <laughs> You're going through Charles Schwartz's great niece is going through his stuff and finds cells from Charlie Brown Christmas. Like, hello? Hello? What? He puts them on eBay to see if he can get some money. At some point, they get assessed on, like, Antique Roadshow for a few thousand. My aunt worked at Rankin Bass Productions for about 10 or 15 years in the 70s and early 80s. And she acquired all of them, and they were the production puppets from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Including Rudolph and Santa, we had Yukon Cornelius, Herbie the Misfit Dentist, and a few others, uh, including a sort of reindeer that got melted in our attic, um, thanks to my mom. We used to have them around the Christmas tree growing up, and I'm just used to having them around. They're not in perfect condition. Yeah. The nose has been replaced. I guess the bowl broke. Santa's whiskers are uh, missing there, but... What an amazing, amazing piece. If I were to estimate it at an auction, mm-hmm. I wouldn't estimate it less than eight to 10,000 for the pair. Mm-hmm. What it would go for at auction, that's anyone's guess. Okay. But they're sitting on eBay seeing if someone will buy them. A collector called named Kevin Kress? I don't know how to, it's K-R-I-E-S-S. Is it, I would say maybe Kreuss? Kreuss? Kraus? I'm I don't know. very not sure. <laughs> he finds them and he sends them to a Rankin Bass historian. Those exist. Those exist by the name of Rick Goldschmidt Dang. to see if they're legitimate. Rick Goldschmidt sends them to Anthony Rankin himself, sends the photos. <laughs> Anthony Rankin Jr. says, no, they are not. They are not legitimate. Those are not them. You fucking liar. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get out the Ouija board again. Anthony <laughs> Rankin Jr. is like, those are not legitimate. Kevin buys them anyway. For an undisclosed amount of money, he literally signed something that said he could not tell people how much he spent. Dang. Which I'm like, you know what? But I wouldn't even want to look at the bill, frankly. I'd be like, just get me that reindeer at whatever cost. Please just give them to me. Do not just take my card. Please just, here's the checkbook. Just write down a number. (laughs) Don't tell me. Write down a number. Just write down a number. I'm going to walk away. (laughs) Run the card, please. (laughs) We've all been there. But he he then takes them (laughs) to Anthony Rankin Jr., 
himself, who looks at them and, and writes up a certificate of authenticity for the puppets. Now, the puppets are beat to shit. Yeah, I've seen what the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles look like now from the movie mm-hmm. Teenage Mutant mm-hmm. Ninja Turtles. And they, so I cannot imagine they, what these fucking puppets they, like. And they weren't played with. They just sat somewhere. Yeah, they just sat somewhere and deteriorated the foam that made them just disintegrated. Rudolph doesn't have a nose. Someone put plate on the nose. Santa is like almost brown. They're <laughs> the kids in the 60s through some undisclosed amount of time play with them before they got forgotten in an attic yeah so like not only are they like you know like all beat up they're covered in hand oils which become yellow and yellowed over time i can't tell you about hand oils man oh god (laughs) hand oils you think your comic book is worth money you read that eating cheetos dog that worth that's worth nothing yeah it's like oh it doesn't look like there's anything like any prints on it now let it sit for 10 years and you will see the hand oils you're like oh i got this batman number 82 first appearance of joker's new girlfriend yeah did you read that man did you read that while drinking mountain dew it's worth garbage i'll tell you right now when she gets a movie in 30 years that book's going to be orange (laughs) so he gets them refurbished by a studio that refurbishes like that refurbishes things from Hollywood sets. That's like their job. Cue up that the music from that montage from Toy Story. Yeah, it was. I, he gets restored. My literal fucking note. How dare you? My literal <laughs> note says it's sort of like the scene from Toy Story Two where Woody gets restored. How fucking dare you? How Austin? We share you? a fucking brain cell. On this, the day of our, we, I don't think we said this is our last episode for the year. Is this the yeah. one? So I don't have to do any research next no, week? No, because ne- this will come out next oh week, and then the week after that You're would right. be the holiday, but we're not going to put an episode out the holiday week, because we're going to... Yeah, because we, we told the network we're taking some time off for the holiday. Right, and so we're going to take off next week, so then the holiday week we will have to work, but we won't put an... You know, it's weird, because anyway, on the how dare you, how fucking dare you? <laughs> what do you think I'm doing the holiday episode now, Brenda? <laughs> Oh, cause it's gonna it's gonna be our holiday yeah. episode. This is the episode you were hinting yeah. about. You're like, I have a great episode for our last episode of the year. I was like, cool, yeah. great. It's this one. It's here. We're here now. <laughs> we're in the future now. <laughs> Hi, everybody. We're really good at this. <laughs> so he has the puppets. They're restored. Kevin, whose last name I cannot say, and. <laughs> And Rick Goldschmidt start going on tours with the puppets. Rick Goldschmidt's a rank and bass historian. Kevin has the puppets. They go to like conventions and TV shows and talk shows. And they like, they like show people the puppets, you know, and then Rick Goldschmidt talks about like the history of the puppets and the production and everything. He has three books on rank and bass, I believe. And a fourth one coming out. So he like, he like talks about his work, like going through the history of Rankin Bass and the puppets and, you know, he sells books. Kevin is all, is like also a toy collector and seller. So like Kevin sells like toys based off of Rudolph and everybody, everybody's happy. Everybody's making money. It's a good time. This is through 2000 and like mid 2000s into like early 2010s. Eventually Kevin ends up selling the puppets. He sells them into a private collection and then they go to auction in November of 2020. And at the auction, they make $368,000, roughly. Oh, God. Oh, Lord. Yeah. 
Kevin owned them for about 15 years. So he cut, he held on to them from, it's like 2020. So from 2005 to 2020, after they were sold at auction, the person who won them at the auction sold them to the Center for Puppetry Arts in Atlanta, Georgia. <gasps> nice. Uh, where, you know, you can go, you can go see them. I don't, I didn't look into the Center for Puppetry. I don't know if they have them out year round or if it's only for the holiday. That's where they are. And you can go see these original Santa and Rudolph from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. That's really cool that they're like now finally after all this time they're like out and available for the mm-hmm. people to go look at and enjoy. Wild that they are the only two that have seemingly made it. <laughs> but something doesn't make sense, Brenda. Oh no. <laughs> what doesn't make sense? The Anna magic happened in Japan. You yourself saw they have a Mrs. Yes. Claus head still in Japan. That the photo I sent you <gasps> is from Mo- Mochinaga's collection in japan they did that that's from that's from an exhibit in 2017 Mm -hmm. why did rankin only take nine nine random ones home seemingly yeah and what does mochinaga have still like exactly and because there were countless and countless and countless rankin bass like holiday projects so many the rudolph is the famous one some people know little drummer Mm boys some people know the the long-eared donkey there are more than that (laughs) That's one I have not. I like. I know the long hair, the long eared donkey mm-hmm. exists. I've not seen it. It's little drummer boy. It's okay. Year without a Santa Claus. Jack Frost. Frosty the Snowman, which is two D animated, but it's still Rankin Bass, Bass production. Mm-hmm. What else Shiny is there? New Santa Year. Claus is coming to town. Shiny New Year. Fourth of July. Rudolph. Hey. <laughs> Fourth of July. Fourth of July with wrong Rudolph. <laughs> You're not Rudolph. Where did you come from? <laughs> Christmas Christmas in July. What's, what's funny, knowing how they made the puppets, my guess is the Rudolph... I didn't look into it, but my guess for Rudolph, now that I know how to make the puppets, is they used a different reindeer body because they didn't know where Rudolph's body was and just found a Rudolph head. Yeah, it definitely looks really different because like, when you get... I would say that the Rudolph in Shiny New Year and um, Christmas in July looks a lot smaller than adult Rudolph did at the end of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. So... We're going to take a hot, quick break. And then when we get back, we're going to find out what happened to those original puppets. Ooh. Secret Histories of Nerd Mysteries will be back after these messages. Cameron Esposito here, comedian and host of Query. Every week I get to interview someone amazing from the LGBTQIA plus community. Some queeros. I chat with them about their lives, loves, careers, and more. I've talked to, you know, giant celebs, Trixie Mattel, Lena Waithe, Tegan, and Sarah Quinn, but also astronauts, reverends, nurses. It's funny, it gets deep, and hopefully it makes you feel like you're part of something. Join me every Monday on Maximum Fun to listen to Query with Cameron Esposito. Welcome back to Secret Histories of Nerd Mysteries. We know where at least a Santa and Rudolph are, but are those the original set puppets that were on screen? Oh. According to Rankin Bass historian Rick Goldschmidt, it doesn't seem to be. If you. I had a burp. (laughs) I was like, that was a noise. I like gassed and a burp just like decided it was time to escape from my body. That was. (laughs) Let me gasp again. Oh. The animators and puppeteers who built the puppets themselves are very protective of them. For most projects, the puppets were left in Japan with those people who were protective of them. When Anthony Rankin passed away in 2014, there was, of course, like a ceremony for his passing. And they had a wake for like 
everyone he's worked with to come visit. And a lot of the animators from Japan came. They were like homies. They brought some of the puppets. Uh, Rick Goldschmidt has some of the puppets from like being an historian collector. Like he brought some. And they, these people to this day were still very adamant about like how to handle these puppets, even though they have not touched oh. them in years. They're like, they, they were mm-hmm. very proud of like how, like if you've ever seen them displayed, you do not display them with a doll stand because they aren't dolls. They instead had like pegs under their feet and you peg up through the set into the foot. Yeah. And that's how they also display them for any sort of display work. As I said, in 2017, there is an exhibit at the National Film Archive of Japan that featured Mrs. Claus and Santa. When we look at the photos, uh, I did what Rick Goldschmidt did. The publicity photos that they took, because this this movie had publicity photos, like Bro Lives took photos with the snowman. They took photos of the puppets. Those photos match the Santa and Rudolph that have been claimed to be the on-set ones that, like, people can go see in the Center for Puppetry Arts. So they were just, like, promotional figures. They were the promotional figures that Anthony Rankin commissioned to have made and sent to New York so they could do photos in New York for the movie. And also display them at Rockefeller Center at Christmas. Oh! They are not the original ones. They are not the screen puppets. They are not the screen puppets. We do know from testimony from people at Mom Studios that Mochinaga sent rain, sent a reindeer as a gift to Romeo Mueller and also as one as a gift to Maury Lewis, who did the music. Mm-hmm. They were gifted on-camera reindeer. They, they got two on-camera reindeer. They went to America. We also know yeah. from people that Mochinaga kept a reindeer for himself. Oh. Now... When it comes to old bright nose, Rudolph <laughs> had not seen head nor tail of this reindeer. I could not figure out, like, where is he? Who has him? So I, <laughs> I contacted Rick Goldschmidt. Oh, my gosh. He's very busy. His email is very brief. He mentions that he has <laughs> there's a book coming out in 2024 that's going to have more information. So if you're curious and listening in 2024, Look for Goldschmidt's book. It may have more information than what I get in this email. This is his email. I am summarizing. All the screen puppets that were used are still currently in Japan, including Rudolph. Some are at, he uses Tad's name. Some are in Tad's estate and others are in other animators' estates. He then says, and I quote, the Center for Puppetry Arts needs to come clean with the truth. Ooh. because from what i take from that because i have not been to center for puppetry arts i don't know if they're displaying them as like the onset rudolph and santa or if they mention that these were publicity ones but the way he phrases it in that email according to rick goldschmidt is it sounds like the center for puppetry arts in atlanta georgia is currently just displaying them as like these are the puppets used for rudolph the red-nosed reindeer not these yeah. were the puppets used for the publicity for Rudolph Red Nose Reindeer. Again, that is the best I can find. It is very difficult sometimes doing this work because in 1964, ain't nobody was worried about where the puppets were going or which ones were on camera, and which ones weren't. <laughs> yeah. And we didn't have like any internet nope. to like document, like, you know, if there were any letters, they're probably long gone. long gone. And Anthony Rankin himself, like, it isn't, people might be like, how could he not know? And I'm like, to him, that was just another movie. Mm hmm. And they did so, so many. He has over a hundred credits. Yeah, and it's like Rankin Bass didn't just do these holiday Mm-mm. specials. They're also the animation studio behind The Hobbit animated yep. film. 
as well as I believe they also worked on The Last Unicorn. They did, I believe. So Yeah, so it's like they were a prominent yeah. studio for animation. They were doing, a, he was a very busy person. And I'm like, it's not, you know, like, what? it's got to be like 70s or 80s when it really hits in. Like, oh, Rudolph is like here to stay, you know? Yeah. Because to him, that's like exactly. a movie they made in, night, in the 60s uh, when they were still kind of young. That wasn't like, you people didn't make things then and think like, this is it. Most people who make most things like are just making it because it's their job and they had an idea and they think it'll work. Mm-hmm. So I, I, there's no doubt in my mind, like he just didn't, he just doesn't know. He doesn't remember. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you know, you also have to think like a lot of times when he was being asked these questions, he was very old, yeah. you know, and it's like your memory just kind yeah. of disintegrates after some point. You just forget hey, things hey. <laughs> or you remember things incorrectly. Like he's asked in 2007, if, like, where's Rudolph? He passed, he does pass away seven years later, which is unfortunate. But it's like, if you ask me seven, like in... I don't know, like 50 years, like, hey, Austin, where's that figure you had? I don't fucking, I don't know. What, what, I've had lots <laughs> of figures. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? He, he has no way, like, it's the kind of thing, like, other ones in the Center for Puppetry Arts in Atlanta, Georgia, the on-set ones, it doesn't look like it to me. The Santa beard isn't the same one as you see on in the movie, but I also didn't work with these puppets. I feel like the, yeah best bet they have is if any animators from mom studios is are still like like physically here to look at them like those be the people who would know they handle those puppets for Mm -hmm. countless hours (laughs) yeah (laughs) but it's like they're all in their 70s and their 80s if they're still alive now so you're right opal (laughs) it is it is time to end the show It is. Thank you, Opal. Well, that, awesome. That was a great. Thank you. Happy. Good topic. Happy holidays, everybody. Happy holidays from Secret Histories of Nerd Mysteries. We'll see you next year. (laughs) Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of Secret Histories of Nerd Mysteries. Our music was provided by Esperanza Asturion, and you can find more of her work at knifenun.bandcamp.com. Our introduction was narrated by Greg Aronica, and you can find him at Cafe3G on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can find us at Nerd Mysteries on Twitter, Blue Sky, and TikTok. The show is edited every week by Brenda Snell. If you love this show, please remember to leave us a five-star review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you consume your podcast content. This podcast is a proud part of the Maximum Fun Podcast Network. See you for the next mystery, Mistorians. Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows supported directly by you.